You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you're excited for the Word of God this morning. We've been tracking through the book of Acts, and uh, we're, in, we're heading into chapter 4 today. But last week, chapter 3, there was this amazing story of a great healing. An old guy, over 40 years old, just like me, had been crippled from birth, and God chose to heal him on the spot through Peter and John. And uh, they, there was this incredible transition uh, or, or transaction. They prayed in Jesus' name, and this guy stood up, the strength came to his legs, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. And if you missed last week, you want me to... I, one more time. All right. No, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Dennis, you can't. So I sang this song. I know there's a few that weren't here. I sang this song. Nobody joined in. Yeah, Bruce, you missed it, man. You can, you can listen online. It, was, it wasn't that pretty the first time, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to... Hold off. But it's there. It's right there. Man, oh man. Just like that. Now, did anybody know the song? I mean, oh, okay. All right. Peter and John went to pray. Remember? You don't know that? You don't know that part? Okay. Still, yeah. So, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now you got to do what we say. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping. With some passion, man. Come on. In the name of Jesus Christ. Sit down. Sit down. Well, we got a little more participation this week, thank you, and it was better seeing Bruce dance than it was me, and so thanks, Bruce, for your help. But how was that possible? How did that happen? It was the name of Jesus. Everyone say, the name of Jesus. And the encouragement last week that we can tap into that power, and we can ask the Lord, and we can utilize His name because there's power there, and there was power to heal. And you might read that story and say, man, that was good for that guy, but what about all of the other beggars? What about all the other thousands of people that were coming in and out of the temple? Well, Peter and John did not leave the group hanging or hopeless. They took it another step further, and they talked about a power to heal, yes, in Jesus' name. That's what we talked about last week. But there was also a power to save, and that is in the same name, the name of Jesus. Let's look at it, Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at Acts 4, but I wanted to hit this quick. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 16. When the, uh, the folks were asking Peter and John, saying, Hey, why, how, do, how were you able to do this? He answered, he said in verse 16, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know was made strong, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. And then he continues. He doesn't just stop there. 
He says, fellow Israelites. So he's talking to the group that's there. He says, I know that you acted in ignorance. He was gracious and uh, kind of submissive here. He says, as did your leaders. Verse 18, but this is how God fulfilled what he had before uh, foretold through the, all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. And then here it is. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that a time of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. And so what we see here is that Peter and John, they lay out the the message. They're saying, look, you need to repent and turn from your sin. He brings it to the spiritual as well, not just a physical healing. And he says, repent. And he says, look, we'll wipe out the sin. There will be a time of refreshing that will come. How many know that that's true? When you give your heart to the Lord, there's a weight that is lifted from us. Absolutely. And then there's this readiness for the return of Christ, that you're, there's a confidence, there's an assurance like, hey, Lord, you can come now. I'm ready at that kind of idea. And you say, well, did that make a difference? Did what Peter and John, did, they, did what they say, did it make a difference? And they're absolutely, it made a difference. And we see that in Acts chapter 4. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 4, which is going to be our focus today. The first four verses kind of lay out the, the result of Peter and John being uh, willing to, to talk about Jesus in this way. Look what it says. It says, The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Just, to, just so you know, as you study that, that verse, there would have been thousands of priests in Israel uh, in, in that area, and they w- rotated in and out of the, the pri- uh, out of the temple. And so there would have been lots of priests there. It talks about the guards. You're saying, what were they guarding? Well, they did not allow Gentiles to come into the temple at that point. And so uh, they, were, they had guards there. And then the Sadducees were men- mentioned. These were religious leaders, uh, but very liberal religious leaders. They were, uh, had aligned with Rome. They loved control. They had uh, led, the, the Sadducees were the ones that led the revolt against Jesus and led him to the cross. And so you can kind of get your mind around that. And they come to Peter and John, verse 1, while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. That's an understatement. Because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They were angry. They were upset. And the Sadducees, they didn't believe in any resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see, right? And uh, that's how I remembered it when I was a kid's pastor. But then we, as you moved into uh, verse 3 and 4, we see the results of Peter and John stepping up and saying, some things in Jesus' name. Look at verse 3. They seized Peter and John, and because it was even e- evening, they put them into jail until the next day. That's the first result, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men, the second thing, uh, grew, and, uh, who believed to about 5,000. If you go to chapter 2, you saw that 3,000 people came to the Lord, now it, the area or the amount of people had grown to 5,000. Did what Peter and John do here with the healing and the speaking, did it make an impact? Absolutely. Number one, it added to the church souls. Uh, 2,000 people were added to the church because of this interaction, which is mind-blowing. 
And I just want to say that the price that comes from confronting the world with their sin and laying out the gospel is souls. And, uh, and that's what's uh, seen here. Uh, 2,000 believers come. But the second thing is what we're going to focus on today in Acts chapter 4. The second thing that we see is there was persecution for the first time uh, for the apostles in the New Testament. Now, of course, Jesus had been persecuted and there was a lot going on around that. But when it came to the apostles, this is the first time. And you say, well, shouldn't they have been expecting that? Yes, absolutely. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. We're going to look at a few verses here. Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus in his ministry when he was on earth, he was helping the disciples to be ready for this moment in Acts chapter 4. And you're going to see the correlation here. Acts, or, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 17 is where we'll start. It says, Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witness uh, to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it is not you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And so here there you see Jesus is helping them, preparing them, saying, look, there's going to be a time you're going to be persecuted. Turn now to Luke chapter 21. We see a similar account. Uh, this time, uh, Jesus is talking about the end of kind of the signs of the end age. And in verse 12, he says, but before all this, they will seize you before the end of time, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you into prison. See the correlation here, Acts chapter 4? And you will be brought before kings and governors and on all accounts of my name. And, the, and so you will bear, my, bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourself. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So again, they're saying, look, persecution's coming, but don't worry of what you will say. Turn one more place to John chapter 15. It says here, this is talking Jesus, he, he goes through the discourse, I am the vine, you are the branches, you remain in me. And in, the, in verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, and in the side of my Bible, before this even message, uh, I have the name of Jesus. If the world hates you because of the name, because of your allegiance with Jesus, keep in mind that they hated me first. Now you skip to verse 21. It says, they will treat you this way. Why are they going to persecute? Why are they putting them into prison? Why is there all this trouble? It's right here. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And so we look here, and we fast forward to Acts chapter 4, and Peter and John are put into prison for the first time. First time they're experiencing persecution after Jesus has risen and gone back to heaven. You say, well, what can we learn from this? How do we handle persecution? Because what happens in the next few verses are remarkable. Uh, we see uh, the, the apostles with a lot of grace, with a lot of, of uh, God's help, um, handle this persecution, and that's what we're going to look at. The first thing we're going to learn is that they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Let's look at it. Acts chapter 4, starting verse 5. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says the next day, so this is after they've been put into prison. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. Anus, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? And now the pressure's on. But look what it says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. And we'll pause right there. The idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is seen throughout the New Testament, really kind of from this point forward. Really, if you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we started the series in Acts, it says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and uh, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now we're seeing this start to play out. We can also look to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, that says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that idea of being filled, it means to be actively being filled, not did not be you were filled once 10 years ago or five years ago or even five days ago no it's a constant and uh, we were talking about it in between the service it's a present participle participle something help me out here bobby present passive imperative and what that means is that it's a command to be continually be filled not just one time but continually be filled and that is the encouragement to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, does it really help? Do we really need the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12. You can write it down or flip there with me. It says, when you're brought before the synagogues, this is Jesus talking, again, warning his disciples that, hey, this is going to happen. It says, when you're brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. Why? For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. And again, it's a theme in Acts, especially when there's persecution. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter and John here, they had time overnight to consider their situation. And they had two choices in my mind. Either they could run when they had the chance, or they could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, and we see this later in Scripture, that they, in shackles, would be praising and lifting up the name of Jesus. And here, we believe that overnight, they were full of the Holy Spirit. Church, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit to handle persecution, number one. There's another thing that we see in Acts chapter 4 here that are, that's important for us to get our minds around. Not only do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we also need to be bold and share the gospel. Let's look at it, starting verse 8. Uh, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And then verse 12, you can highlight it, circle it in your Bible. This is the crux of the New Testament and really the gospel. It says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to my mankind by which we must be saved. That would be a great verse to memorize, to know, to have in your arsenal. It's not Buddha or Mohammed that is going to save you. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not your good works. It's not your good attendance at church, not going to mass or doing penance or being baptized. There's no other name according to verse 12. And we need to share that idea not just behind closed doors. We need to share that with boldness. And when I say boldness, this is what I mean. With an openness, with an open heart, with candor, to be real, to be direct, and to bring our fear way down, that there needs to be a lack of fear. See, Peter and John here, they had been arrested they could have been thinking to themselves, man, it's time to bring in a consultant. This is not going the way we thought it was going to go. Or we're supposed to be winning people's hearts. Maybe we need a different tactic. Maybe they were wondering that something was going wrong. I don't know. But the truth is, is if and when you share boldly the gospel and people get upset around you, certainly like Peter and John were experiencing here, I want you to know you are not necessarily doing it the wrong way. Ask Peter and John here. They may have been feeling like, are we doing this right? Fast forward to Stephen, chapter 7. We're going to read it in a few weeks away. Uh, Stephen, was he doing it right? Absolutely. Ask Jesus for crying out loud, right? Uh, Jesus was persecuted over and over and over, and we know he was without fault. And, uh, and again, just because you're saying something and there's resistance, you could be saying the exact right thing. And I want you to know that God blesses bold presentations of the gospel. No question. God, our Heavenly Father, blesses that. And so my encouragement is to never, ever soften the gospel. Be bold. And that when you're bold, be authentic. Don't be obnoxious, right? But be bold, and especially with verse 12 there, you can stand on that verse and know that it's true. And I, I want to just say that that verse is being debated in North America and across the world even today, but we do not have to be ashamed. I was talking with one of our uh, parishioners uh, in between, or before first service, and we are talking about the Word of God. He's like, either you believe it all or you don't believe any of it. And I said, no, we believe it all. And this is what it says, that there's no other name by which you can be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. And uh, you can have that confidence and stand on that. And God, he'll back it up. Amen? Amen. Let's look at verse 13 here real quick in between. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were saying it in Jesus' name and they're bold about it, right? It says they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were unschooled, they were common, they were ordinary, 
but there was something that had been different. They had been with Jesus. And when they say that, what that means is that they spoke with authority just like Jesus did. They did miracles now just like Jesus did in Acts chapter 4, or Acts chapter 3. And they were able to quote the Old Testament and apply it just like Jesus did. And they noted that they had been with them. Now, I just want to challenge each of us that we can speak the word of God boldly and with authority when we've been with Jesus. And we can do miracles. There, the miraculous can happen all around us. Signs and wonders when we spend time with Jesus. And we can speak God's word boldly and apply it in our day-to-day when we've been with the Lord. And that will help us, especially when we're facing persecution. So number one, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, be bold and share the gospel. You got to know it. The third thing, though, is we need to be obedient to God at all costs. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 4, starting verse 14. It says, since they could not, that they could, I'm sorry, but since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So the, the leaders there, they couldn't say anything to deny that this guy is healed. He's up and walking. And verse 15, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. They put their minds together. They're saying, man, what can we do here? Look at it, verse 16. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. So that was their good idea. Verse 18, then they called them back in. So they called Peter and John back in. And again, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, what is right in God's eyes to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judge. But as for us, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. And we'll come back to that verse here in a minute. After uh, th- further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Again, an old man. And uh, <laughs> the point we want to make here is that we, when, when persecuted, we need to be obedient to Jesus, to God at all costs. The fact is, is that when you're persecuted, you will be tested. But don't let those threats, whatever they might be, stop you. The threat of a loss of a job or loss of income, don't let that stop you. The threat of loss of friends or acquaintances or the loss of your reputation, don't let that stop you from being bold or being alienated in some way, or just off by yourself, maybe lonely in some way. Don't let those threats hold you back. If you fast forward, the apostles, they understood this. They ended up giving their lives, many of them, for the sake of the gospel. They were strong, and they were committed no matter what. They were going to listen to God over listening to man. I was thinking about it as I was studying and praying this week, back to when I was a teenager at Fahola Park Camp. 
Uh, and some of you know where that is. Uh, it's the Assemblies of God camp for the state of Michigan. And I remember praying one night. Uh, the speaker had, had been talking about giving your life for Christ, even to the point if someone uh, said, I, you, if you don't deny Christ, I'll take your life. And I remember that interaction. And I remember committing to the Lord that I would even give my life, my, my, my being, for the sake of the gospel. That if it came down to it, I would die before I would renounce my allegiance to Jesus. And I remember that. And it was a powerful moment as a student. And, and uh, students need that. And we need those moments where we kind of draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? As for me, I will serve the Lord. Now, thank the Lord that hasn't been tested too much in, in my life. In fact, if I were honest, we're going to talk about this in a second. Um, uh, I've had very little persecution living in West Michigan over the last 11 years. And, uh, and some of us, some of you may relate to me and we'll get there in a second. But you've got to settle it in your mind to be obedient to God at any cost. Amen? Amen. Well, there's a fourth thing that we see. Not only was they, were they filled with the Holy Spirit, they were bold and they preached the gospel. They were obedient to the God no matter what. But the fourth thing is that they prayed. These were people of prayer before, during, and after. But look at this after, after this interaction that we just read. Verse 23, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and the elders, what they had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, this is still part of the prayer, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. These folks were people committed to pray, no doubt. And I would say, when you are persecuted, you need to go to God. You need to have a prayer meeting. And the more people, I think, the better. There's strength in numbers. And you need to lift up your voice to God, because He hears. When you're persecuted, when you're mocked, when you're made fun of for your faith. You need to pray that God would give you a love for those who are persecuting you. And the way the love for someone that's persecuting comes is by praying, not only to the Father, but praying for the people that are hurting you. Now, does prayer make a difference? Absolutely. Look at even in the apostles' lives here. Fast forward just at one page to Acts chapter 6, verse 7. We see that there's uh, this is another interaction. The apostles in uh, chapter 5 are going to be persecuted some more. And then coming into chapter 6, it says, So the word of God spread, 
So something was happening in the early church. It says the number, number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So people are being added to the church. And look what it says here. And the number, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what Peter and John were saying in the synagogues to the priests and to the high priests and to the, to the leaders of the church it made a difference. They went away from that interaction in chapter 4. They went to pray and said, God, help us to speak even more bold. And that's exactly what happened. And we need that perspective when we're persecuted. That we would say, Lord, whatever you want. Lord, whatever your plan is. Understanding that when we are persecuted and we're under those types of situations, Number one, there's an eternal reward. Look at it, Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. It says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. There is an eternal reward when you stand up for your faith, even when it's difficult. It says, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So not only is there an eternal reward, there is also spiritual maturity that comes in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whatever, uh, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that it, the, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How many say that sounds pretty good? We want to grow. We want to be spiritually mature. And when we're under pressure, when we are being persecuted, it brings about spiritual muscles, maturity, not lacking anything. And then there's a third thing. God, His glory is experienced in your life. Uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, just a couple verses here. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Dear friends, verse 12, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as though something strange were happening. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. And look at verse 14. It says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, that's exactly what's happening in Acts chapter 4. It says, it should not be as, oops, I've skipped a verse. <laughs> if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? For the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests on you. If you want to be full of the spirit of God and his glory to rest on you, You've got to face these things straight up and knowing that it's going to make a difference. Now, the apostles, they were sold out to this idea of being persecuted. In fact, in Acts chapter 5, the very next chapter, which we'll get there next week, I'm not sure we'll get this far, but in verse 40, it says, His speech persuaded them. Uh, and so this is another time where they're being persecuted. It says they called the apostles in and they were flogged, and so they're beaten and bruised and, and uh, really given the riot act. It says then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And what did the apostles do? Did they go home and lick their wounds? No. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy 
of suffering disgrace for the name. They were excited. Then it says, day after day, the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They believed it, and they lived it. And because of the prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit, it brought a boldness and a strength. There were signs and wonders that followed. And look at it in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 31, at the end of this, uh, this story. It says, after they prayed, and that's the key, is to pray, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. They spent time in prayer, and they were filled they had asked for greater boldness. They didn't shrink back. And it's almost like the, the bookends is being filled with the Spirit and that prayer. It brings boldness even to the point that they're obedient, if, even if they had to give their lives, which many of them did. And you look at this and you say, man, how did the, uh, the apostles resolve Acts 4.20 that for them they couldn't help but speak about what they had seen and heard? How did they have that kind of boldness? Or how did that all come about? Uh, and you might look at it and say, wow, that's incredible. If I was there, I might have been that bold too. I don't know. Or you may look at this story and say, that's a great story. Good for the apostles. And we kind of applaud them and say, man, look at what they did. How incredible. And then what happens is we then just move on and we dismiss our own responsibility to stand in the face of persecution. And I'll tell you, the, way I, the reason I realize that is because I feel that even at times. You say, well, how do I know that I need to be persecuted? Or, or uh, how, uh, how, do we, how does this going to all work out? Can't we be selective with who we share? Or can't I wait an open door instead of busting through the door with the gospel? Or shouldn't we go a little slower as we tell about Jesus? Or let's be subtle, or let's build a strategy and, and then never get around to it, right? There's all these things, these excuses that come into our mind. Well, as I was studying, there's a verse that I'm about to share with you that is not going to make some of you happy. And it, it actually is a very challenging verse, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 12, when you understand this verse, and please know it's the word of God, it's not Ben Vey saying this, and, uh, and it challenges me too. Look what it says. It says, in fact, everyone, and you might circle that or highlight that, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so if we try to avoid persecution, or if we live in a shell and we try to say, well, I'm just going to keep my faith to myself. I've got a bold statement here in my notes. I said here, if you live a godly life and you're never persecuted, maybe you're not living such a godly life. Because if you live a godly life, there will be persecution according to 2 Timothy 3. There will be disagreements. And by the way, the church will advance when there's persecution. Now, I'm not saying you go look for a fight, right? 
You don't look for a brawl or you don't, you know, plan a sit-in until the cops come to have to move you. You don't create a candlelight vigil and, and uh, wait out the atheists or something like that. But we do need to be ready to give an answer with boldness at any time. And don't forget, we don't have to worry about what we're going to say. We read it three, four, five times already. The Holy Spirit will give us the words to say at the right time, at the right place. Now, there are examples where this plays out. And think about your life and where you are potentially persecuted. For some, it's at your work or maybe at school. People come up to you and, and maybe in the discussion, something will come up and, you, and they'll say something like, you don't really believe that Bible, do you? And all of a sudden you start shrinking back and you say, well, that's the way I was raised. Or, or that's just, you know, that's what my parents believed. And all of a sudden you're backing off. Or maybe in science class, it's uh, the, the uh, whole evolution thing. And someone says, you know, uh, I can't stand what the Bible says. Or, or I don't believe what the Bible says. I believe what science uh, teaches. And all of a sudden, instead of standing up and saying, you know, no, I believe in the word of God you fall back. Or maybe in your family at dynamics, you're you know, at the holidays or someone's over for dinner and, and something like this is said, you don't still go to that church, do you? And all of a sudden, you're just nice and quiet instead of standing up for Jesus. Another example, you might be bold enough to say to someone, oh, I'll be praying for you. And that's kind of an easy thing to do. But as you pray, you get a word from the Lord for that person but then you hold back and because uh, you're afraid of persecution. You're okay to talk to God. That's okay. But to hear from God and then to share that with someone, you're saying, maybe I should hold back. See, fear creeps in in subtle ways in all of our lives, I would say. And my encouragement this morning is for those of you that are in the thick of it, that have been persecuted, that are persecuted on a regular basis, don't stop standing. Some of you, your spouse makes fun of you, or maybe you, uh, your lost friends are constantly uh, in your face. Don't stop standing for Jesus. And my guess is there are a few that do experience persecution on a regular basis. And again, don't stop. But my hunch is that there's a lot of folks here that haven't been persecuted maybe in a long time. And there's a lot of different reasons that could be the case. And, you know, maybe you don't know a whole lot of unbelievers. Or maybe you just try to fit in. Or you don't, maybe the world does have a grip on you and a pull. My challenge is don't live in a shell. Be bold. Be outspoken. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be prayed up and don't back down. Because when you're persecuted, the kingdom of God will advance. And anytime someone challenges you, anyone has questions or persecutes you in any way, it is the perfect opportunity to share the gospel message. And Peter and John 
In this case, they did not back off. They were bold. Not only were they bold using the name of Jesus to pray and to see God heal a man, they, pr- they were bold to, to encourage them to repent. And this morning, we want to bring it to that point. For those that are here, if you are here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to be bold just like Peter and John and to say, repent. Remember, they said, repent so your sins would be wiped away. How many think that sounds pretty good? And then it says there will be times of refreshing. There is a weight that's lifted when you give your heart to Jesus. And then it says you will be ready to meet the Messiah. And there's this real sense that we know Jesus is coming back for the church and we've got to be ready. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, today is your day. And I want to give you that opportunity here in a moment. We're going to address that. But we're also going to address this idea of boldness in our lives. That when there's a lack of persecution, we've got to identify and be real and say, okay, why is that? And then we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, full of prayer, ready to be bold. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. I pray that in the next few moments, Lord, that you would help us really address our own hearts, our own lives. And Lord, not only from a salvation uh, standpoint, which, yes, I'm believing that there's some today that are going to surrender their hearts to you. But Lord, also from a boldness standpoint, to give us the backbone we need to stand and to be bold and to be willing to talk about you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd soften hearts and minds right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want to address is that idea of repentance. I was reminded in this whole series uh, that as I've been studying, really, Acts chapter 3, and really there was no good place to fit it in, and it really doesn't fit here, but I'm going to share it anyway. I remember painting... Uh, learning to paint by a professional painter in, um, in Dayton, Ohio. I, I told Bruce this story. And uh, this guy, his call was to PC, paint churches, and literally painted churches and missions organizations all over the world. Well, uh, he helped me paint my house, and then he said, if I'm going to do that, you've got to go with me and paint somewhere else. And so I, I did, and I was in Jamaica with him painting, and uh, and he talked about thinning out the paint one time uh, at a missions project. And, uh, and he said they, they like watered down the paint so it was kind of more like a whitewash and because they, were, they didn't think they had enough to cover. And so they watered down the paint and they went and they painted and it was outside and they thought that everything looked good. And just as they were finishing, the, the rain started to come and it whitewashed, if you can just imagine, the, that paint just started to run and it just, it didn't last at all. And, uh, and he said, I learned right there and then to repaint and thin no more. Repaint and thin, I mean, repent and sin no more. That was the joke, but anyway, anyway so... I didn't tell you that part of the story. But anyway, 
But this morning, as your friend, as your pastor, if you don't know the Lord, today is a day to find repentance. And then go and sin no more, right? Right? Seriously, in all seriousness, if you don't know Jesus, we want to offer you that gift. And uh, we want to just lay that out. And, uh, and we just want to say uh, that it's a free gift of salvation. The Bible says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Even one sin not forgiven will keep you from heaven. Heaven's a place of perfection. And unless you're seen as perfect, you can't make it. So what that means is you've got to be covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. And if you're ready to accept Jesus as your personal Savior this morning, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. I want to pray for you. Yep, absolutely. We have a couple ladies here. Anybody else saying this is the day? I want to just make sure, no doubt about it, that, okay, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Hallelujah. Anyone else saying, man, I don't want to walk out of here. Yes, thank you, sir. I don't want to walk out of here without knowing for sure. There's four that I can see here, and uh, the idea is very simple. I want to lead you in a prayer. We call it a miracle prayer. It's not really the words of the prayer that save you, but it's believing what we're about to say, that Jesus died, he rose from the grave, and we put our faith in him. Would you repeat this after me, the four, and then let's do this all together from the front to the back. Just say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the sin in my life, for the things that I've done wrong. I believe in you, that you died on the cross, and today I put my faith in you. Please take away my sin. Make my heart clean. I will serve you the best of my abilities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we rejoice with the angels in the heaven. Amen. It's incredible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Awesome. 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 And the cool thing is, we do not have to walk in fear. There's a confidence that comes when you give your heart to the Lord, that there's an assurance that your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. And I'd like to talk with each of the four uh, at, at the end of the service if, if we could. But let's talk about this idea of being persecuted. And let's be real here just for the next few moments. Pastor Bobby's going to lead us in a song that's going to kind of capture our hearts here in talking about being, uh, building our lives on the Lord and, and being filled with the Spirit and using the name of Jesus. It's like this song was tailor-made for this message. And uh, we're going to sing that here in a moment. But as we sing it, I want you to consider your level of persecution. From I haven't been persecuted to I'm persecuted every day. Where do you stand? If a zero is like never been, 10 all the time, where do you stand? And my goal, my heart, is that we would be bold enough that if you're a three and maybe once in a great while you get persecuted, let's bump that to a five or six. Or if you're at a six, let's bump that to a seven or eight. Let's be bold and let this song minister to you and then we'll come back and we'll finish uh, with a with one last challenge. Let's stand and let's sing this together. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I'm praying that 
in these next few moments, God, that you would fill us up for today to be a witness for you. And that tomorrow will be filled up again and then the next day and then the next. That we'd be continually being filled so we can face persecution. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, if I were honest, um, it's been a long time since I've been persecuted for my faith. Why don't you just to slip up your hand where you are? And uh, first service, probably half or more of the people, and I get it, same. We get so comfortable, don't we? In a message like this, my heart is that it starts a fire inside of me. Helps me with, with my awareness just to be aware that, man, I can utilize the name of Jesus. There's power to heal. There's power to save. And what happens is when we pray that the Lord would help us in this area, it's kind of a scary prayer. Say, Lord, help me to be persecuted. Really? Well, if you're living a godly life, you will be persecuted, it says. It's kind of like praying for patience. You're like saying, Lord, Lord never pray for patience. Because then God's going to give you something to be patient about. But sometimes you need to pray that. And my guess is we probably all need to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill us up and that we'd be ready for whatever comes our way. And even in the face of great persecution, that we'd stand strong, that our backbone would be strong. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking God that you would help us, help me, to be more aware, to be able to reach out, to be able to share the gospel message. Lord, I pray that I would not shrink back. And Lord, that each person here would not shrink back, but Lord, we'd stand strong for you. Yes, we believe that Bible. Yes, we go to that church. Yes, we do believe in Jesus' name. And help it to resonate and help it to reverberate throughout our lives. And Lord, help us as we are persecuted today and this next week. Help it to advance the gospel. Souls were won when there was persecution in Acts chapter 4. And Lord, I pray that the same would be true in our midst. God, we give you the praise, the glory. And now I pray, like I often do, that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God, knowing that when you leave this place, you are entering the mission field. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.